0: Welcome, everyone, to worship. It's good to see you. Before we go into our worship service, I'll go through uh, three things from the back of your bulletin. Uh, one, if you're part of the youth group, uh, just be on the lookout for an announcement of where we'll be, uh, where you'll be gathering tonight, so just be on notice about that. You most likely will not be meeting in the Family Life building. You won't be. Um, and the Capertons will not be hosting, so things are changing there. Secondly, the two circle meetings are tomorrow. If you're a part of that or you'd like to be, you can look at the bulletin for details and reach out to uh, any of the ladies you see there for information about that. Lastly, Church Life Night starts this week, this Wednesday at 6 p.m. So if you would like to uh, come and hear a lesson, uh, come and eat a good meal, be with other people, uh, any of those things, we would love for you to be there. the, the schedule is going to look similar to this past spring, so if you've been there, you know sort of how that's going to play out. But we're excited about this, and again, we have uh, the senior solo pastor from Macon who's going to be teaching the adult classes. His name is Michael Butterfield, and we're looking forward to having him. Those are all of our announcements. God brings us into worship By his spirit, he empowers us to worship him. He calls us to worship him. So take a few moments as the music plays to uh, be in prayer with God. Ask him to help you worship this morning. Let's do that now.
1: Please stand for the call to worship. Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 66, the first four verses. To the choirmaster, a song, a psalm. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, How awesome are your deeds! So great is your power that your in. I'm cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Let's begin our worship today by singing hymn number 57. let us pray. Our Lord, the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, you dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. We have come today to the house of the Lord. Hear our prayers Hear our praise, forgive our sins, inhabit the words of Matt with your Holy Spirit, calm our anxiety and our fears. You, our God, who will not break a bruised reed, hear us as we worship you today, and hear us as we pray to you as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, if you'll turn to your bulletin. We have from the Heidelberg Catechism, question 112. What is required in the ninth commandment? I must not give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceit as the devil's own works under penalty of God's heavy wrath. In court and everywhere else, I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation. You may be seated.
0: The commandment that we just confessed from the Heidelberg Catechism is wide-ranging, and the commandment is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And whether you're in kindergarten or college, whether you're young or old, lying, gossip, slander, and condemning others rashly pretty much sums up our culture and especially our news cycles so we are steeped in that, and we need the Holy Spirit's help because our hearts are twisted by sin to love what is false and flee the truth. So I'm going to read from Psalm 34, and we'll use this as we approach God honestly, as we seek God for forgiveness and restoration. We'll go into a time of uh, personal and private prayer, and then I'll lead us in a corporate prayer. Let me read Psalm 34. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Let's go to God in prayer uh, as he loves to hear from you and is with you. Let's pray now. Dear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we rejoice when we read that God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? God, you don't lie and you don't change your mind. You speak and you follow through. Lord, your every promise, every word will bear fruit and be fulfilled and we sit here and we worship you Because of this For who you are We recognize, Lord In a small How different we are from you We are but dust We are deceitful Lying people And yet you love us You made us in your own image, image And you give us value And honor Dear Father, we pray Create in us hearts that are prone towards peacemaking, towards truth speaking, to lifting up and defending our neighbor rather than tearing them down. Help us to build one another up rather than join in gossip. God, we know you have the power to do this, and in fact, you've promised to sanctify us by your spirit, and so we pray that you would let it be so. God, for those of us who have uh, seen the news uh, going on in Memphis this past week, um, we know you are hurting and your church is hurting over what has transpired after the loss, especially of one of the members of Second Pres, of the several people who were killed. Um, We pray that you would bring peace. And Holy Spirit, we pray you would comfort your people today, and that you would especially bear uh, the family of Liza up. Would you be with them, comforting them? Would you be with that church as they surround them in compassion and love as they are under such heavy burdens? God, be with the city. Be with uh, your people uh, across the world as we pray and lift them up. Lord, we, we pray for Betsy and Ash Eichelman and ask that you would do great things with their medical evangelism that's going to be happening uh, in about a month in the Dominican Republic would you prepare their team this month uh, keep them healthy as they uh, get everything together and would you go before them God would you give the elders of this church tender hearts and biblical wisdom this evening at the session meeting would you be with The deacons, Lord, as they are preparing budgets and making plans for the care of this church and its people, would you bless their efforts? God, would you create a space on Wednesday night for true fellowship with your spirit where we can gather and be refreshed and filled up together as your body? Lord, would you be with Sarah Hill? Would you help her? Would you help her recover? Um, Give her the care that she needs. And we thank you for uh, all of her service to this church, with the choir, with so many different things. God, we ask uh, and we're thankful for uh, the report for Robert Higginbotham. Would you continue to be with him? Would you continue to improve um, his, uh, uh, his body? Would you continue to heal him? Uh, And as they look forward to the next scan in October, would you give them great peace and comfort knowing that you are with them in this? God, we love you. There is so much we can be praying for, so much that is on our minds. Each one of us has struggles. Each one of us has concerns and fears. Lord, you know each one, and you are with us, you hear us, and you know. We thank you for this time of worship. We pray you'd uh, be with us as we hear from your word and as we worship you in song. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As, we, uh, as you can see, we don't have a choir to sing an anthem. Um, so we'll be moving into this time uh, of giving our tithes and offerings. So as God has given richly to us and has provided for our needs, We respond in thanksgiving as he um, instructs us, and if you are able to, um, you can use this time to give um, and use this time to pray and thank God for what he's doing in our midst. Let's do that now. please pray with me. God, as we give, we know you will make use uh, of the small amount we're able to uh, give back. You've given us all things, and we pray you would bless our tithes and offerings and use them for your kingdom work in this church and abroad. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stay standing, we will continue to worship and sing together with hymn number 634, hymn 634, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Let's continue singing together. You may be seated. Well, two weeks ago, uh, as we continue in our series in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus called disciples to follow him, and we learn that Jesus calls and he also equips, he prepares his disciples. We learn that Jesus has authority in his teaching over the spiritual realm, over the physical realm, over all things, and we follow a Savior who has compassion for people, for hurting people, whether it be spiritual oppression or physical oppression. So I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be starting at verse 35, and as we'll see in this passage and throughout the gospel, Jesus' mission, his kingdom mission, is to restore sinners to life, to restore broken people to health, and oppressed people to freedom. That That is what he's come to do. And this kingdom has very different values from the values that we know and experience and learn about in our world, which have shaped us so much, whether we know it or not. This passage that we're about to read is all about being confounded by Jesus. It's all about expecting one thing and getting another and seeing another. So let's go into this passage. This is God's word, starting at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed, and Simon who, and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go down, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, Join me in prayer for a moment as we go to God's word. God, you have shown us uh, your mercy and compassion in Jesus. Would you help us to listen uh, to be receptive to your word this morning as we approach the gospel of Mark? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at three things that this passage shows us. The first thing I want to look at is that Jesus prioritizes prayer when we prioritize productivity. The second is that Jesus moves in when we back away. And the third is that Jesus becomes an outcast when we follow the crowd. So let's look at the first point. Jesus prioritizes prayer when we prioritize productivity. Um, If you are alive uh, and over the age of four or five, you probably know where you were on this day uh, about 21 years ago. Um, In Seattle, Washington, I was getting ready to go to school. Uh, I can't remember what grade I was in. And we had a small kitchen TV that was sharing the initial details of what was going on in New York, of the terrorist attack on the Twin Towers. And when I got to gym class that day, uh, the teacher for my gym class uh, pulled me aside, and he told me, Uh, That my parents were okay, and I was a little confused because I didn't really know why I needed to be told that. But I learned that my parents were actually on a flight near New York, and they were being rerouted and landing in a different place. So I was glad to hear that they were okay. Uh, The rest of that day, for all of us who were alive at that time, the rest of that year, and the rest of the decade really were shaped by the horrible events that billions of people around the world watch, watched unfold on TV. The news obviously spread instantaneously of the heroes, of the horrors of that day. And it amazed me then, and it still amazes me today, how quickly news spreads and how the news can capture millions of people's attention, attentions all at once. When we read our passage, it's somewhat surprising to hear how quickly the news of Jesus spreads and how Jesus handles that. They, of course, at that time, spread news by word of mouth. Uh, Travelers on the road, a mail system And as soon as Jesus' public ministry gets off the ground, the news of him spreads so much that the public actually becomes an obstacle to his mission. The public becomes an obstacle to his mission. In the Gospel of Mark, Mark will use, you know, characters in a story called, for instance, in our passage, the crowd or the people. So the people in Mark is actually a character to literary study and things like that. The people become an obstacle to Jesus. In the middle of it all, Jesus goes to a desolate place, we read, and the literal word for that is a wilderness place. Jesus goes out to a wilderness place, and there he goes into fellowship and communion with his Father in prayer. Jesus is sort of doing the opposite of what we would do, and that saying, which I can't remember and didn't look up, which is make hay when the sun shines or something like that, you know? We we are productive people, and when things are going well, when word is spreading, you would think that Jesus would take that momentum and harness it. But Jesus is the opposite of that. In our culture today, quiet and solitude is, an intentional time away from the noise of our daily life is seen as pretty abnormal. We all want it, but we struggle to prioritize it. I was reading a sci-fi book. I love sci-fi. And it was about time travelers. And there was a line in the book that talked about why it was thinking about why we like books about the end of the world so much, why we like apocalyptic stories so much, and why they're growing in popularity. And this person, this character in the story was saying, we all desperately want to have a reset on life. We want a simpler life without technology, without social media, without phones. And so there's this deeper desire that we don't acknowledge publicly for a simpler, less chaotic life of peace. And whether that's true or not, I'm not sure, but um, it certainly resonates. So when things are going well for us and life is moving, we don't stop. We don't stop. Because stopping means we won't produce as much, or it might mean uh, we might not do as well. Other people might take our place. People might think we're, we're weak or lazy. We might not make enough money, we think, for the week, or things won't get done, and so we're always working and busy. We see this readily in Sabbath practices of Christians, uh, whether it be homework or studying or working on a day of the week which God calls us to rest. We all struggle in this regard. Our internal voice says we can rest We can't rest. We can't put time away to be with God. There's too much to do, or there's too much to distract us. And you might actually be in the opposite of this. You may have too much solitude, too much quiet, and you are crying out to God to help you in that as well. And Jesus, thankfully, will meet you there as well, in the desolate places. So Jesus here is giving us the pattern for his kingdom, the unexpected pattern of his kingdom. All of his production and his ministry would come from a place and a time of prayer with his heavenly Father. It would all flow from this time of prayer by the power of the Spirit. And the enemy to this time, surprisingly in our passage, is the people. Everyone was looking for Jesus. And if you look at the meaning of those words, it's a negative sense. So each time this is used, it's used in a negative connotation, so when someone is seeking Jesus, they're more like intruders than they are friends. So rather than following Jesus's lead, the people are really trying to control Jesus, to get what they want out of him. They're invading his time and his mission, Jesus needed this time for prayer. It was the foundation for everything. And as we're seeing in Mark, the people, the people don't understand the scope of what Jesus has come to do. They don't even understand his identity yet. And so Jesus is trying to shape his gospel messianic identity. Jesus prioritizes prayer and solitude when we prioritize productivity. Which leads us into the second point. Jesus moves in when we back away. A man with leprosy comes to Jesus. You could read with me in verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. This is a very non traditional and strange encounter at the time and it still is today. Um, leprosy is a catch all for s- several different skin diseases in the Bible. Leviticus lays out very clear instructions for how to treat and how to. Um, handle someone who has leprosy. They must live outside the camp, Leviticus says. They must cry out, unclean, unclean, so that people around them know that they have leprosy or skin disease. No one wanted to catch the skin disease. And so the leper in this story risks everything to approach Jesus. They had to stay 50 feet away from people according to the law and so the leper is literally risking it all at a chance to be healed and cleansed by jesus he doesn't doubt Jesus' power he only asks jesus if he is willing to heal him the leper is pleading he's throwing out the laws from the torah and the mishnah which is kind of the commentary of the torah in their day He's putting it all on the line to be restored physically, but also socially, also back into the worshiping community, to be back with his family. And Jesus says he is willing, and he cleanses him. He restores him. Essentially, Jesus is saying, this is the very reason that I have come. These are the things that I have come to do, the people that I have come to restore It's good news. Sinners, lepers, spiritually oppressed people are being restored to life, even life in the public realm. And Jesus moves in when we would back away. Third, and after this point, I want to go into some application of what we might apply from this passage. Third, Jesus becomes an outcast for us when we would follow the crowd. Jesus becomes an outcast for us when we would follow the crowd. Jesus sends the leper away and commands him to be silent. It's not a nice gesture or just a southern way of saying, hey, would you please not talk about this with anyone. He's actually commanding this person to not talk about it, to talk about his healing. Jesus doesn't want a crowdsourced identity, a crowdsourced identity made from people's talk, Jesus wanted to shape what people knew about him and how to understand his mission. And this is so expect, unexpected because he's literally telling this man not to share the good news of what Jesus has done for him. I can't, I don't know how many times we find that in the Gospels, but it sure is strange to see Jesus not, to telling someone not to spread the good news. But this is early in Jesus' ministry, and it's a critical time for how his ministry is going to play out. It's also for Jesus' protection. If another person, other than the Roman emperor, has the title of Lord, of Christ, then that person is going to have a very quick death sentence, and it would be so for Jesus eventually. We see that Jesus honors the Torah and he instructs this man who he has healed and restored to be inspected and declared clean by the priests. And he goes off and he directly disobeys Jesus by telling everyone who would hear of him. And this leads to the effect, as you saw in the passage, that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places. Someone smarter than me pointed that out, that Jesus had traded places with the outcast leper. Jesus restored the leper to society, but became an outcast himself. Jesus traded places with the unclean. He became numbered with the transgressors, as Isaiah says. He would be called a heretic, a criminal eventually. He would Bear our iniquities, our sin, on himself. Jesus, in controlling the message about his identity, is also showing people that he is the servant that Isaiah said would come about. Isaiah 53 says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Jesus, if you can hear from Isaiah, Jesus, he he bears your sin, and he even prays for you. He bears your sin, and he prays for you. That's what making intercessory prayers is. And so the question now becomes... Do you know the unexpected Jesus? Do you know the unexpected Jesus that we find in the Gospel of Mark? You can ask yourself, have you grown comfortable with the expected Jesus that you have formed in your mind that's been made of your own ideas and desires? Is your Jesus a comfortable and safe and non-intrusive Jesus? Is his... His, his love, as we see in Mark, Jesus' love and compassion and grace are far more unexpected than we realize. And this is good news for sinners, because we know that Jesus has compassion for us. And we know that the gospel is more than that. The gospel is entrance into the kingdom of God the kingdom way of life by faith. So Jesus is starting to shape the priorities of the kingdom. I want to get into some application at this point. There's a short story that a friend sent to me called My Heart, Christ's Home. Maybe you've read it. It's really short. Uh, It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. And the author writes about how when Jesus enters our life by faith, he actually makes our heart his home. So this author kind of does this story about how this person goes through the rooms of their house, which is their heart, and how Jesus is involved in each room of the house. And in the first room of the house is the living room. And the author says, as a young Christian, I love to spend time in the living room where Jesus was waiting to fellowship with me. But day by day goes by, and it's harder and harder to make time to stop in the living room for prayer and fellowship with Jesus. Then he says this, I'll quote him. Urgent matters would crowd out the quiet times of conversation with Jesus. I remember one morning rushing downstairs, eager to be on my way. I passed the living room and noticed that the door was open. Looking in, I saw a fire in the fireplace, and Jesus was sitting there. Suddenly, in dismay, I thought to myself, he is my guest. I received him into my heart. He has come as my savior and friend, and yet I am neglecting him. I stopped, turned, and hesitantly went in. With downcast glance, I said, Master, forgive me. Have you been here all these mornings? Yes, he said. I told you I would be here every morning to meet with you. Remember, I love you. I have redeemed you at great cost. I value your fellowship. Even if you cannot keep this quiet time for your own sake, do it for mine. And the author says, Christ's desire for my companionship, that he wants to be with me and he waits for me, had done more to transform his spiritual life than anything else. Christ desires your companionship to be with you. It's a beautiful image of what we neglect in this life, which is fellowship with Jesus. Jesus isn't this nice thing. Our devotions aren't this nice thing to add to our day. God is actually eager to be with us by his Spirit. So are you setting aside time in your day to be with God, to be quiet, And to listen. Are you being led by Christ's example? Perhaps you can make five minutes today to be with God in quiet prayer. And then do it again tomorrow. Maybe you can read a psalm and then be quiet with God. And if you're distracted like I am, you can simply talk about your thoughts with God. Just bring them up and be with God. You could start small and grow. Jesus sets the example, and we would do well to follow his lead and be with God in this way. Jesus relies on his Father and the power of the Spirit. And so are you doing the same? Are you drawing from the same source that your Savior is? And for those of you who struggle with this time, me being one of them for sure, you can remember what Isaiah says. He says, Jesus bears your sin and he prays for you. So even when you haven't prayed for days or for weeks or for months, Jesus is in the living room praying for you, thinking of you. And he looks forward to the time when you could fellowship with him in word and in prayer. So that's the first application. Second is if, Jesus is, if Jesus moves toward the social outcast, like we see in our passage, then we must move towards others who are socially outcast. Who is the social outcast today in your life that you can think about? Maybe it's the neighbor you know who doesn't go to church, and they feel judged by those around him. Whoever it might be, and it comes in various forms, are you moving toward them rather than away from them? Because truthfully, we're all outcasts, brought, bought by Jesus with his blood. The mission of the kingdom is to move toward sinners, to move toward the outcast, to restore them to life. So are you loving and befriending sinners and showing them the love of Christ? As they say, kingdom life that Jesus brings in has as much to do with what we do in here as it does out there. Lastly, Jesus became an outcast to save outcasts, to redeem the unclean. Jesus became an outcast to save outcasts. So are you relating more to The outcast or to the insider? Are you, another way of saying this is, are you staying on the mission of the gospel or are you too comfortable with unbiblical assumptions? We learn in our passage that Jesus sought after his father when we would seek the world, Jesus moves toward unclean outcasts when we would move away. And Jesus becomes an outcast for us when we seek the approval of the world. We learn in the Bible that Jesus was literally killed outside the camp as an outsider to restore unclean sinners. He was numbered with the criminals, he was numbered with the transgressors to bear our sin in our place. And now, through faith, In Jesus, his obedience, his righteousness becomes ours. And by the Spirit, we are shaped into Jesus. So by the Spirit's power, seek the Lord in quiet prayer. By the Spirit's power, move toward the hurting, the unclean, the social outcasts, the people who have a stigma in our community and show them Christ's love. By the Spirit's power, be wary of the movement of what is popular and accepted and stay on the mission of the gospel. Seek freedom for the oppressed. Give to those who are needy. Share the word with those who are spiritually blind and walk in compassion and peace and grace. This is the unexpected life of the people who follow an unexpected Savior. Let's pray. God, the life you call us into, this kingdom living that Jesus sets before us, is something we cannot do and do not want to do on our own power, in our own power. We want to be comfortable. We want to be around those who make us feel good. We don't want to go near the outcast, all of these things, Lord, we need your supernatural work in our life by the Spirit. So God, would you help us to move towards you this week? Would you help us to make time to be with you, to fellowship with you in prayer, in your word, and show us your beauty, your grace, your compassion for us in that time? Would you help us to move towards those who we would not naturally move towards and to show them your love. And God, would you show us how you have become an outcast for us. You have forgiven our sin and you've brought us into this new life. Show us the way forward, Lord. Give us your spirit in full measure today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We have an opportunity to respond to God's grace by singing a hymn. So I'd invite you to stand and we will sing hymn number 625. Hymn 625, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. Let's stand and sing. Dear God's blessing to you and receive it and then respond with your amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Amen.